Last week, we briefly introduced a new Sunday series called Relatable, and it comes from uh, Pastor Louis Giglio and, and his church in Atlanta. Now, back in January and next, we started uh, this journey in, uh, in to try to improve our relationships because life is lived out relationally. Now, I know that you've, if you've been here on Wednesday night, you've heard Pastor over the last few weeks talking about healthy relationships. Well, we started that a long time ago. Um, he's, he's catching up with us, but um, we live out our lives relationally. The quality of our lives is largely dependent on the quality of our relationships. If our relationships are going well, then we tend to have a positive outlook and a positive perspective on life. But you let one relationship go sideways and watch what happens to your perspective on life. It'll change dramatically. So if you want to make your life better, you make your relationships better. And so that's what we've been working on. To that end, we dove off into a series at the beginning of the year called You Make Me Crazy. And uh, we finished that up a couple of weeks ago. But we're certainly not done with relationships and looking at what the Bible has to say about helping us with relationships, because all of us have relationships that we would like to improve. And as much as we would like for God to step in and do this miraculous thing that that he can do and, and just wave his hands and instantly change those relationships and make them better, it just it doesn't happen that way. I've never seen it happen that way. Uh, as a matter of fact, in my experience, uh, relationships take time. Relationships take attention. They they take cultivation. Relationships, folks, take they take work. They're work sometimes. And if a relationship is going to improve, then almost every time, almost every time, what I've found is that that work of improving that relationship starts with me. It starts with it starts with you. You can't wait on the other person. You have to initiate. You have to engage. But a lot of times we don't know how. We don't know how to start. And if we do know how to start, then we don't know what to do next. And so just like the title slide for this series implies, and I don't know how well y'all can see it, but um, behind the relatable text there, there's all of these equations and formulas. And uh, that's how a lot of us feel about the relationships in our lives sometimes. We're, we're looking for the right formula. We're looking for the right equation to make it all work out. We want the answer. And, and we think if I use this formula and if I plug in this variable into the, into the equation, then I'll get this result. But that, that's a whole lot of formulas up there, and that's a whole lot of equations. And some of our relationships are really complicated. It's like doing physics sometimes. Any physicists in here? Not a one. Okay, so good example. Um, and, and we're intimidated to even start. But, and then this is the way I identify with math. I see math and I think, oh, God, I get intimidated before I even start. My wife can testify to that. And we get too intimidated to even start trying to figure out how to make some of this stuff work. So as we mentioned last week, there's a simple question that will help us get started. And it comes again from the title for this series, Relatable. Every time you see it, I told next uh, this last week, every time you see this title slide, I want you to ask yourself a question. And here's the question. Are you able, are you able to relate? 
Are you able to, to relate? Are you relatable? Are you the kind of person who's able to move through life and have relationships that are meaningful and significant? Are you going to be the kind of husband who's able to relate? Are you going to be the kind of wife who is able to relate, the type of friend, the type of coworker who is able to relate? God put us on this planet with 7 billion other people. 7 billion. He has literally giving, given us billions of opportunities to be relatable and to form relationships. And he designed us for that. You know, all of this started way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam. And God looked at a solitary Adam and he said, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good for him to be alone. So what did God do? God provided him with a relationship. How about that? He put him in a relationship. Folks, you are designed. I know you, you think you are an island unto yourself, but that is not the way God designed you. That is not the way he wired you. That is not how he created you. He created you to be in relationships, and you can't get away from it. So what we really need is for God to do the things in our hearts so that he makes us the kind of people that other people want to be in relationship with. Did y'all catch that? We need him to work on our hearts so that we will be the kind of people that other people want to be in relationship with. We need God to make us the kind of person that makes relationships work. So to that end, and this is where we left off last week, I, I left them with uh, just kind of a, a suggestion or, or a thought for the, for the week, and, and that was this, the degree to which you and I are able to receive what God has done and what God is doing for us is going to be the degree to which we are able to have meaningful relationships. I'm going to say that another way. Your ability, your ability to receive from God what God has done and what he's doing for you right now, your ability to receive from God is going to determine your ability to have meaningful relationships. It's going to be the number one shaper, the number one determiner of your ability to have a meaningful relationship with God, with yourself, and with other people. And we're going to get into that a little bit today and in the weeks to come. And I told you that's where we would pick up this week. So that's what we're about to do. See how this plays out. So to wade into that, what I want to do is I want to start off today by looking at a couple of flaws that we tend to have in our relationships. A couple of, uh, we just call them inherent relationship flaws. Inherent. It means they're just, they're built in. They're built in relationship flaws. Let's see if you can identify with these. The first one is we expect, this is a flaw in our relationships with other people. We expect more from other people than they can realistically be and give. We expect more from other people than they can realistically be and give. An example, uh, let's say you're a single uh, a young lady and you're expecting to find Mr. Perfect someday. Mr. Perfect. And Mr. Perfect is going to come in and he's going to have, he's going to have the best hair. It's going to be the best hair ever. And he's going to come gliding in on a magic carpet. And, and whenever he comes in, the, the room is going to change. The temperature is going to change and the lighting's going to change and the music's going to change. And it's going to be that, that stringed music that lets everybody know in the audience they're about to fall in love. 
and he's going to look me in the eye, look you in the eye, and he's going he's gonna to tell you, you are the greatest thing ever that's ever happened to me. And, and because this man comes into your life, he is going to become the, the fountainhead of everything that you have been missing and everything that you've been trying to solve in your life. And it's all going to be because of Mr. Perfect Hair Magic Carpet Rider. And that's a great dream. It's a, it really is, except for the fact that he's coming in on a Toyota Corolla. It's got, he's missing a hubcap on one wheel, and he's riding a little donut on the other side. Right? And he's not going to become that fountain of everything that you've been missing in your life. What he is going to become is the mirror that shows you. Everything you've been missing in your life because what do relationships do relationships don't necessarily solve issues Especially the marriage relationship doesn't solve issues. It reveals issues Right and so he's gonna become this mirror of what you've been needing in your life fellas the same way that this girl comes in She's gonna show you and, and he's not gonna solve she's not gonna solve and resolve Everything that you've been longing for what he is going to do is he is going to amplify your annoyance factor He's going to amplify your frustration factor by a factor of about 10. That's what's, gonna, that's what's really going to happen. And all, about all of that stuff that you've been missing in your life, because he's not going to be perfect, and she's not going to be perfect. But thank God, Jesus is. And Jesus doesn't come in on a magic carpet, but he is available. That's his relationship status. Relationship status available. Right now, I'm ready. That's what Jesus says. I'm ready. And I will look you in the eye and I will tell you, you are the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I do want to have a relationship with you and I will not ever leave you and I will never forsake you. That's, that's Jesus coming in. He's perfect and he can do all that stuff. All of those things that we expect our spouses to do. All of those things that we expect our friends to do or our, what our parents should have done. For a, you want to open up a can of worms, you get somebody to start talking about what their parents should have done for them. Jesus does all that, but we put all of these unrealistic expectations on other people, these things that only Jesus can do. And what happens is relationships, they, they, start, they start fragmenting under the stress of these unmet, unrealistic expectations. We see that play out in a huge way in the life, uh, in the, in the relationship between Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, right? From the Old Testament. Now, you want to talk about a messed up family dynamic? That's one for sure. Sarah said, you know, I, I want to have a son. I want to have a child. And God's promised me. He's promised us this, this son, but it's not here yet. And I'm getting old. So let me come up with this solution on my own. Here, husband, take my Egyptian servant and have a child with my female servant, Hagar, thinking all the while that her solution was finally, her solution was going to finally resolve that hurting and longing in her heart. And all it did was make things worse. Sarah's expectation, watch me, her expectation that somebody else was going to be able to fulfill the longing in her heart, that somebody else was going to be able to meet the hurt that she had over not being able to have a son. And, and what it did was it placed this incredible strain on the relationship that she had with the people she was closest to. 
And eventually it, it ended in tragedy, a broken home, runaways, hurt feelings. It, it was a mess. It was a hot mess. And it's the tragedy of our modern times, relationships that are strained and fractured and falling apart because of unrealistic expectations we place on other people. That person, Julia can't save me. Only Jesus can do that. You're, you're, that, that person can't fix you. Only Jesus can do that. And he looks at it and he says, this is going to take eternity. We've got a lot of work to do over the next several decades, but this is going to take eternity. That person can't heal you. Only Jesus can. That person can't fulfill you. You're frustrated because you're unfulfilled in that relationship. You know why? Because you're placing expectations on them that only Jesus can meet. Now, we'll say amen to that, and it sounds good. And we, in, our, in our brains, we know it's true. Jason, you're right. That, that's true. Yet we'll still, even still, we'll find ourselves getting frustrated when instead of meeting our need, that person reveals our need. And we keep going back to a well that can't possibly give us what it is we're thirsty for. We got to wise up some at some point, folks, and realize that a broken human being is not going to be able to meet my needs as another broken human being. Jesus is the only one can do that. The second thing, the second flaw that we have in our relationships is. We'll see if this one rings true. We tend to expect more from other people than we expect from ourselves. This is true in most relationships. We hold other people to a higher standard than we want God to hold us to. And, and, and we're, so, we're so amazing at that. Has anybody ever been in a conflict, maybe husband, wife, but there's other relationships where it could work, and, and, and they come to you and they say, uh, listen, there, there's something that, that's going on, and we need to talk. There's something that you're doing, and, and we need to talk this out because we, we've got to fix this thing. Uh, there's this thing that you're doing, and, and it's, it's really it's bad. It's getting on my nerves. It's, it's destructive. It's damaging. And, and here's two specific examples of whenever you did it. There was that time whenever we were on vacation, you did it that time. You remember that one don't you because everybody else does and and here's a picture of what you did because maybe you don't really understand so i'm going to draw it out for you real specifically so that you can see this is exactly what it looks like this is what it looked like whenever you did it at my mother's house at christmas time you remember and and you did it again yesterday with the kids i'm just trying to give you some specific examples of what it, what it, what it is and even though i told you before you're still not getting it so let's go over what i told you last time whenever we talked about this and how it went because you didn't really do anything that I told you to do. So here, I'm going to make you a bulleted list so that even somebody as dense as you are can really understand and get it. And how do you respond? How do you respond whenever that happens? Whenever, whenever that person comes to you and, say, and, and says that, do you, do you say, wow, thank you so much Thank you so much for, for telling me this because I didn't, I didn't realize. But now that you've explained it to me, I, I really do understand. And you know what? You are so right. I, I, really, I really am doing that. 
And, and, I, and you're right. You did. You told me once before, and, and, and you, told, right? you told me twice before, and you told me exactly what I needed to do to fix all that stuff. And, and I know I should have done it, but I didn't. I just I didn't listen. But, uh, but I want to make it right. I, I'm going to start working on it right now. So as a matter of fact, why don't we just sit down right now together? Why don't we just go ahead and sit? You've got some time right now. I've, you have any paper? I've got a pen. And we can just go ahead and sit down and make a list of what I need to do today to fix that. Is that how you respond? Is that how they responded whenever you did? No, that's not how that went at all. Instead, what it is, what you say is, well, you know what? That's funny that you would be the one bringing this up. I find it amazing that you would be the one to bring, bring this topic up. But since you brought it up, let's go back to point B that you made over there because you say that I do this all of the time. But if anyone is like the grandmaster international champion of doing that, then it's you. As a matter of fact, yeah, okay, you want some examples? I can give you four examples. You did it that time. You did it again that time. And I know we said we weren't going to talk about it anymore. But since you brought it up, let's go ahead because you did it that time too, even though we don't mention it. And, and then you did it that time, at, you know, that other time that, okay, yeah. And, and so, you know, if there was a book on dummies about how to do that, then you would be the one who writes that book. Because you're just really that good at it. But yet you're saying that, I, as a matter of fact, if you really think about it, you're doing that to me right now. You can't quit doing that because it's literally all you do. When you talk, you do that. When you walk, you do that. You even do that in your sleep. That's how much you do that. You just don't get it. We are so remarkably good at flipping things around on other people and saying, you, this standard. Me, this standard. And what I expect of you isn't what I expect of myself. And what I expect from you isn't what I want God to expect from me. That, was, that one, I don't think y'all caught that one. What I expect from you isn't what I want God to expect from me. I want him to cut me way more slack than what I'm cutting you right now. A great biblical example of that flaw in a, in a relationship with the Pharisees the Pharisees, man, they, they were great at pointing out everybody else's flaws, not so good at fixing their own. They were great at setting this really high standard of expectation and then not meeting that own standard. And the way, I think the way that we blow all of this up and, and the way we, the nuclear option, right? If you haven't heard that term in a week, for getting rid of these flaws in relationships is by putting the gospel in the middle of our relationships. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus showed up on the scene and boom, nuclear option. He blew relationships wide open. And if we will get Jesus in the middle of our relationships, what will happen is Jesus will do the same thing he did back then. He will expose all of that mess for what it is, for what needs to be fixed and what needs to be healed. And he'll bring healing where we need it most. So to do that, to start bringing the gospel into our relationships and get Jesus in the middle of our relationships. What I want to do is I want to pose three questions. And there's no way we're going to get through all three of them today. So what we're going to do is we're going to settle on getting through the first one. 
But I'm going to go ahead and give you all three of the questions for those people that are taking notes and it drives you batty if you can't get them all. So here are the three questions. The first one is, can Jesus relate to you? Can Jesus relate to you? We're talking about getting Jesus in the middle, the gospel of Jesus in the middle of our relationships. Can Jesus relate to you? Number two, how does Jesus relate to you? And number three, how does this impact the way I relate to others? How does this impact the way I relate to others? So the first question, can Jesus relate to you? I wish we could do something today. I think it would be absolutely fascinating if we could do this. Uh, We're just going to have to settle for a thought experiment, though. Uh, That's thought experiment. That's big people talk for pretend like. Anybody play pretend like whenever you were a kid? Hey, pretend. You know what? You were doing a thought experiment. Look at you all smart and stuff doing thought experiments whenever you were little. I wish we could in this do this thought experiment. I wish we could have I, I would like to have tablets underneath all of the chairs of everybody in the sanctuary and then put forth the, the challenge to describe yourself in one sentence of 12 words or less. Totally anonymous. Nobody's going to know who put it up there, but an honest, transparent description of who you are right now and then put them up on the screen and nobody would know. Nobody would know it was you that, that did it, but put them up there. I wonder, what we, I wonder what we would see. Could you do it? Think about it. Could you do it? Could you describe yourself in a single sentence, 12 words or less? How would you describe yourself? Middle-aged, husband, dad, called to ministry, figuring it out. 18, frustrated, angry all the time. Questions about God. Entrepreneur, successful, met all of my goals. Really, what's next? Mother of four, homeschool, would kill for a day to myself. Second marriage, depressed, struggling with my weight, tired all of the time. Early 30s, married, family, busy, careers rocking, but missing something. What would, your, what would your sentence be, 12 words or less? It would be fascinating to see that because I, I've got a feeling that even in a room this size, if we could do that today, we would be slammed in the face with the reality of how many different people there are, even in a room this size with just this few people here. And if you extrapolate that, you know, it, it, all of this stuff is running there underneath the surface of people in their lives. And then you think of, you take it even bigger about all of the different people in the world today and, and all of the stuff that's running underneath the surface of those lives. And here's why I think it would be cool to be able to see that. Because I believe a lot of us, when we think about God, we think, okay, I know God's real and, and I know he's there and I know he's huge and I know he's powerful and he's omniscient. He knows everything thing and he's got all power and he's all this stuff. But are you convinced that that God can relate to you? Are you convinced that that God, that powerful, all knowing, all seeing, able to do everything and be everywhere at one time, that that God can relate to, are you convinced of that? Is he able to relate to you? It's a huge question when you think about how many different kinds of people there are in this world. And to think that he could, he could really relate to everybody? More specifically, to think that he could relate to me. 
with all of my questions and all of my hangups and all of my problems and all of my issues. Is, is that even possible? Well, folks, the resounding answer to that is yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he does. Why? Well, two things, and I, I think it's so cool that we're doing this on Easter Sunday. Here's why. Here's why he can relate to you. First of all, because he entered time and space. Now, we're going to get a little theological here for a few minutes. Y'all hang with me. We don't, we don't always talk about this stuff in next, but Jesus was, was outside of time. He was outside of space and he he saw all of eternity and then he created a universe that had time and space built into it. And if that wasn't enough, he then entered what he had created and entered into time and entered into space. And he took enough of himself that we could kind of wrap our brains around a little bit and kind of understand and kind of comprehend and, and, and put that part of himself into time and space and said, let me try to show you something about who I am. We don't always think about Jesus this way, but stay with me. Jesus gave up the freedom of existing above time and existing above space. And he took on the constraints. He limited himself and entered into a physical universe of rules and principles that don't even apply to him. So before he was born, Jesus could go from one side of eternity to the other side of eternity faster than you can blink your eyes. But then he entered into time and space. And if he wanted to go from Jerusalem down to Bethany, then he had to walk on a road in sandals, getting sweaty. And it took him the same amount of time to walk from Jerusalem to Bethany as it would have taken anybody else that was an able-bodied person. And he chose to enter time and space. Can Jesus relate? Yes, he can. The second thing that he did was he put on flesh and blood. So he could have just come down like he was. He's, he's Jesus. And just... <laughs> meteor streak of lightning there he is and he's god right here on earth but he didn't do it that way he chose to come down differently and he was he was born of a woman god god almighty god outside of time and space that god chose to put on this this frail, strange flesh stuff, he, he had an umbilical cord and he had to be washed and cleaned off. The Son of God entered into time and space and he chose to come to us in flesh and blood. Why? Why did he do that, Tanya? Primarily so that he could fulfill his mission of being the sacrifice for the sins of everybody. He couldn't meet our deepest need, which was salvation, until he made himself like us. Can Jesus relate? Yes, he can. Until he related to us in time and space and flesh and blood. And here's the cool thing. The fallout 
of that decision to save us is that he can totally, completely, fully relate to you and me. And when you talk to him, this needs to, it needs to be at the front of your brain every time you talk to him. This Jesus I'm talking to, he can relate. He knows exactly what I'm feeling. He knows exactly what I'm experiencing. He knows exactly how I'm hurting. He knows. He, he, he relates to me. And some of y'all are thinking, come on, Coop. I, how can Jesus relate to me? It's so easy for us to think about Jesus relating to somebody else. Because we don't live in their skin. We live in ours. We don't know all of their hang-ups and troubles and problems, but we are intimately associated with ours. So it's easier for us a lot of times to think about Jesus relating to somebody else, but sometimes we have a hard time thinking, how could Jesus relate to me? Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's run through a few of our issues today and see if Jesus can relate. First of all, Jesus was tempted just like you are. This is huge. Hebrews 4 and 15 in the NIV says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, and yet, just as we are, and yet did not sin. Tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted in every single way, like you are. Everything that I've wanted to do in my moments of weakness, Jesus felt that. Everything you've wanted to give into, Jesus lived it. Everything that stirs in us, Jesus felt it. Says he was tempted in every way like we are. Can Jesus relate? Yes, he can, because he was tempted too. The second thing is he had to be patient. I love this because I hate being patient. It's nice to know he knows what it's like. Jesus was, get, Jesus was born as a baby. He was born as a baby, and he had this earthly mission, right? To go to a cross and die for everybody's sins. It took him 33 years to get there. He had a single mission, and he had to wait 33 years for God's plan to finally be revealed in his life. Some of us have been waiting 33 minutes and we're like, okay, God, you got to step in and do something because this is just, this, this is taking too long. Jesus, you got to fix this. You got to intervene here. And Jesus is like, oh, I know. I waited 33 years. I know exactly what it's like. I get it. I understand that sometimes God's plan doesn't fit into a, a slot on your daily calendar. So no, it didn't happen yesterday, and it may not happen today. It may not happen for 33 years. I had to wait 33 years for God's plan to be worked out in my life. You've been waiting for a year, and you're about to lose your mind. I get it. Jesus says, I, I couldn't die for the sins of the world whenever I was eight. A 14-year-old doesn't have any business hanging on a cross. That's no place for a 14-year-old boy. It took a man. And so it took time. I had to be patient, waiting out the Father's will. So, you know what? Whenever you're talking to Jesus, 
He gets it. He's able to relate because he's had to be patient too. He was misunderstood. You ever been misunderstood? You ever had the best intentions and been right with what you were doing and that person still didn't receive it? Uh Uh-huh. Jesus knows all about that. He was tired. Who's tired here today? Jesus was tired. He got tired sometimes. He had to get off by himself and get away from all the people, get away from the crowds. I've been around too many sick people. I've been around too many hurting people. And it's not what I'm, I'm, I'm used to. I'm used to the glory and splendor of heaven. And I'm here in this flesh. And it, it's, it's, he got tired. He had to get away. Jesus got frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Jesus, one time Jesus got fr- so frustrated, he started turning over all the tables in the temple courtyard. You ever felt that way? I love this because this is the way I feel at my job almost all the time. You ever, you ever walk into work and just feel like, knock the table over. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about it. Cubicle, you too. That's how I feel about everything. Just start knocking stuff over. Now, Jesus did it. He got away with it because he was Jesus. I don't recommend you try it. I don't know that it'll work out as well for you. But Jesus got frustrated too. Let's keep rolling. He had his motives questioned. Jesus can relate. He was alone. He was attacked. He was mis- he was mistrusted. Can I throw another one out there? This is kind of a curveball. It's going to mess with some people. But he was single. All of the single people say amen. Jesus was single for 33 years, man. And he accomplished his whole mission in life without a spouse. Wow. So if you're feeling the stress and the loneliness of being single right now, and you're wondering, can Jesus even relate to this? I'm telling you, he knows all about it. He knows all about trusting God to fulfill his purpose in your life without a spouse. Well, Coop, what if I'm married? I mean, I'm already, I'm done for. I mean, Jesus was single. He got away with it. I'm married. What, what am I supposed to do? Uh, Jesus can't relate to that. I mean, this man, this woman that, that I'm, I'm married to, they just don't act right. How can Jesus possibly know what it's like to live with this person who just refuses to act right? You know, Jesus had Paul write two-thirds of the New Testament to the New Testament church. It was his bride, the church, to try to get them to act right. So trust me, Jesus understands your marriage problems too. Because he looks at his bride and says, she ain't acting right. Write a book. Jesus understands that. He can relate. And then what what I tend to do, and and, and maybe y'all do this too, maybe not because I'm carnal, but sometimes what I think is, yeah, yeah, but you're Jesus. Okay, you're Jesus. You, you do all that stuff with your special Jesus powers, and that doesn't apply to me. No, I was in time and space just like you. 
I was in flesh and blood just like you. I was tempted just like you. Let's do some more. He was abandoned. He was abused. He was betrayed. He was applauded. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, Jason, I, all this stuff you're talking about is bad, and that's not my life right now. I am winning. I'm doing great. Body's healthy. Relationships are great. I mean, everything's just awesome. I, I'm, I'm killing it right now. Well, you know what? Jesus knows what it's like to have everybody cheer for you, too. He knows what it's like to ride in and everybody be singing your praises like you're the greatest thing ever. He knows exactly what that feels like. He knows what it's like to be a winner. He lived it. And what about this one? Jesus had hard questions too. Jesus had hard questions. He hung on a cross for six hours. And then he cried out, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? And I don't see anywhere in Scripture where he ever got an answer. You think that he can't relate to you that because you've got hard questions that God's just not giving you an answer to? Folks, he lived that moment. He knows exactly how it feels to have those hard questions that go unanswered. You think Jesus can't relate to you because you're blue collar? That you sweat and get dirty to earn a living that, you, you know, we, we buy into this. I don't know where that image of Jesus comes from, where he's so pristine and clean. And he's got his halo and perfect white teeth that look like chiclets set in his mouth. Where does that even come from? Jesus can't relate to me. I, I, I work for a living, man. I, I get dirty. I sweat. How's Jesus going to relate to that? You know, Jesus had a guy named Peter as one of his inner circle. Peter, like this is the guy that chopped somebody's ear off. He's a fisherman. He's got dinner still stuck in his beard, and he's he's rough and he's tough and he's he's coarse. And Peter looked at Jesus, and Peter said, "I can hang with that guy. He's tough. I like him. I can follow somebody like that. He gets it." Or maybe you think Jesus can't relate to you because you're white collar. You're educated, you're specialized, you're highly trained. Jesus, he, he doesn't get all that. I mean, he, he ran with fishermen and poor people, simple people. He, but you know what? Jesus also ran with a physician and a tax collector. They were named Luke and Matthew, and those guys were so impressed by Jesus that they each wrote books about it. Those guys looked at Jesus and said, this guy gets me. I, I can relate to him and he can relate to me. He understands me enough that I can trust him with my life. Jesus could roll with people from both. Now we're starting to get down to business. He could roll with people from both sides of the tracks. It didn't matter to him. He could relate to everybody. Jesus went to high society parties and he made wine out of water. He went to rich people's houses and had dinner and hung out and he was comfortable in those settings. Jesus could also relate to the beggar and the prostitute. And it didn't put him off to talk to him, to interact with him, to touch him. Mr. CEO, Miss CEO, 
Jesus started and is still leading the biggest world-changing organization that this world has ever seen. He can relate to you. Are y'all getting this yet? He can relate. How about this one? And we're almost done, but Jesus can relate to you because he made you. How about that one? Psalm 139, 13, a New Living Translation says this. You made all of the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You made that. How about that one? This one trumps everything. Jesus gets you because he made you. He can relate. He can relate. So what are you struggling with this morning? What are you struggling with this morning? What's turning over and over again in your mind? What gnaws at your heart, even while you're sitting here today? You might have forgot about it a little while because I'm such, you know, I'm so enrapturing as a speaker. Maybe I made you forget for a few minutes. But now it comes back. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It's still there. Folks, Jesus knows. And more than just knowing it, he understands it. Doesn't that make a huge difference whenever it's the difference between somebody knowing how it feels or, or knowing that you lost someone and then understanding what it means to lose someone because they've lost someone themselves. It's a huge difference. Jesus knows, but he also understands time and space, flesh and blood. Jesus can relate. Jesus can relate to you. So we'll cover the next two questions next week. How does Jesus relate to you? And then where the rubber really meets the road, and this will be our practical application next week, how does that impact the way that I relate to others? Relatable. Easter Sunday, man. And Jesus knows he can relate. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for what this day means to us. We thank you that um, you have been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You know exactly what it's like to face the same things I face and, and to walk in the places where these folks are walking. You know exactly how it feels. You've been there. You've lived it. Lord, you can relate to us. We need to keep it in the forefront of our brains whenever we talk to you. That you know and you understand. Lord, we love you so much today. We thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for us. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we have because you defeated death, hell, and the grave. In Jesus' name, amen.